How's it going everybody? My name is Christopher, this is my dad Leighton, and this is the Oosthuizen Show, and today we're talking about socialization between dogs, how to know whether or not your dog is playing appropriately, and of course, doggy daycare, which is probably the most common environment that you'll see multiple dogs in a large group playing together. But first, a quick word from one of our sponsors. One of our sponsors? Or our sponsor, the sponsor. Our main sponsor, yeah. <laughs> but our main sponsor is Partners Dog Training. We, uh, we are a full service school. We train everything from basic obedience to behavioral training to correction, things like that. Uh, correcting problems, I should say, things like that. And uh, we basically teach you how to look after your dogs and how to give them a better life and understand their meaning. So tonight we're going to be talking a lot about that. Yep, and as part of Partners Dog Training, a big part that has grown uh, over the course of the past year or so is our doggy daycare. Now, doggy daycare has actually been a really interesting learning experience for us, uh, mostly because we are known for being a behavioral dog training school, and so typically we get dogs that have maybe some sort of behavioral issues. Uh, we tend to draw that, and so when we started doing doggy daycare, uh, of course we got people with similar dogs and similar types of issues wanting to bring their dog to doggy daycare. A lot of that is because of the branding that we have of terms of having very experienced trainers, uh, putting a lot of time into education, and making sure that people understand all aspects of what goes into a dog's behavior and so forth. So um, it was great, or it is great that we are have uh, that we do have that type, kind of reputation. But with daycare being such a high energy, active environment, uh, we obviously had to put a lot of protocols and procedures in place in order to keep it as safe and, and uh, healthy of an environment as possible for the dogs that are inside there, the guests that are inside there. Yep. Uh, so today we're going to be talking a little bit on um, what it means to see appropriate play in dogs, uh, especially in a high drive and interactive environment, maybe where the line is that's crossing too far um, in terms of uh, reactivity uh, and so forth so we're going to be addressing that a little bit and then how to manage a group of dogs so whether you're in a daycare environment or whether you're maybe at a dog park or just with your group of dogs at home I know uh, Kelly our general manager she's got five dogs at home and so that can easily become a situation where you need to carefully manage it uh, especially if you do have high drive working dogs in that environment so uh, we're gonna be talking about all of that tonight uh, and is there anything you want to add before we get started yeah I'm trying to think who's sending us all these hearts like it's blowing up our social stream here but anyway <laughs> thank you I can't see who it is just yet but I'm gonna guess it's Sarah uh, it looks like it's her feed coming in but yeah so this is actually pretty cool we're gonna do some more video tonight we've got some video to show you of some of our dogs in daycare and we actually staged the video so you can kind of see some crazy behavior uh, obviously not something we want to allow, but to give you an idea of what is not an appropriate play. And we're going to go to that here in a few minutes. A couple of things I want to mention about socialization of dogs. So the first, the post, probably the most important aspect of socialization is that buyer beware. Just be careful what you do. I mean, there's all sorts of dog parks out there and I'm, I'm not a big fan of dog parks, mostly because there's just no control. There's just, there's this almost no requirement for them to pass any kind of accreditation to be there and so therefore everybody and anybody shows up and and the majority of dogs are well behaved but of course there's always those few dogs and you just might run into one of them right. that is not well behaved but but obviously socialization understanding the dogs that's what we're going to try and teach you tonight what to look for how to look for it and so on um, 
And, and uh, as far as the daycare, you mentioned a really good point. So we're changing some of the things in our daycare. Uh, we're going to bring in a little more training, a little bit more uh, management of the dogs in daycare. I was actually talking to a couple of clients. I was talking to Donna this evening and then also to Jennifer. I've actually got some video of Jennifer that I'm going to show you of her picking up her dog and what we're trying to work on. But this is the same kind of thing that you can do when you're at home. So if you have a dog or a crazy situation where the front doorbell rings and your dog goes crazy and you can't control your dog, we're going to address multiple our, dogs. or multiple dogs. We're going to yeah. address how to control that in that that pack socialization. I realize it's not totally socialization, but it's that social structure, that environment that you want to control. Yeah. So you mentioned the the term there, pack, uh, and I wanted to get into kind of pack drive as one of the first terms that we'll discuss here, um, which is really where a group of dogs get together and they have what's known as pack drive. So do you want to go into a yeah. little bit more? And I still can't find out to see why I can't uh, share this. Um, so we always try and share. And by the way, if you ever have an opportunity, try and share our feed or uh, create like a, a block, what is it, a block, a watch party. Sorry, it's not block watch, a watch party. And for some reason, I can't get my watch party running here this evening. I don't know. So, Just talk for a second. Yeah, and so I'll, I'll, I'll go into a little bit on pack drive. So pack drive is essentially when a lot of animals uh, get together. Obviously, we're talking about dogs in this case. And just like you would imagine uh, in terms of the word pack, their energy levels start to uh, increase and then they start feeding off of that escalated energy levels and, and those arousal levels. And essentially, it could turn into, uh, as it was created originally or uh, instinctually, uh, meant for hunting. And so that kind of escalation could turn into maybe a fight or it could turn into uh, potentially an altercation of some sort of level. And so it's something to really recognize and make sure it doesn't get uh, out of control. And in order to, in order to manage that uh, energy levels, you have to be able to uh, assess that before it increases too high and establish more foundation, more obedience and so forth into that training. Um, maybe taking the dog that might be the quote unquote leader of that pack and putting them into a much more structured and even heel uh, type obedience uh, behavior so that way they don't uh, start feeding off of the energy of that dog and starts transferring it to the other dogs at the same time. That's correct. It's pretty well said, you know. These yeah. days I actually do believe you're my son, you know that. I mean, you just never know for Thank sure, you. but I think, yeah, I think, yeah. So, um, you know, similar, I would say, quote unquote, so symptoms or analyzations of that type of pack drive behavior, um, really escalated barking, uh, the barking actually yep. tone changes to more of a, uh, lower, well, like, so, a, like an anxious pitch. So you yeah. get that, that, that high pitched tone bark and so forth. Let's, uh, let's pull up a little bit of video and we'll show you some video and then you can kind of better get a better idea of, of what we're talking about here. Now, we did something differently this week. Last week, we had to run one long video, but this time we've got some short videos. It'll give you a chance to kind of see. Um, but I really want your feedback on the videos. Do you like these videos? It takes us a bit of effort to actually shoot them. In fact, today we we're kind of rushed putting it all together. Uh, but let me know if it really works for you and so forth, whether you like it. Okay, you got something? Yes. Now these in no particular order. This kind of just shows you a group of dogs. Is that playing right now? Yeah, it should be playing in just a second here. It's, uh... So this is this is actually us staging these group of dogs. These dogs, all of them belong enough to our head trainer, uh, tra the general manager, Kelly. Uh, we kind of brought her dogs out because 
We obviously don't want client dogs doing this um, and jumping up and down on each other. So this gives you an idea. But if you look at the interaction, like the Border Collie, um, the little white dogs, I'm just going to talk about colors because it's quicker for you guys to read them and, and picture them. But if you look at how they, they're focusing on Kelly on the outside, that's her standing behind the gate. They're kind of jumping back and forth and look at how they jump and they bump each other. Now, these dogs have learned to get along. So they've been conditioned, they've been managed. But if this was a group of dogs that were relatively unknown to each other, you definitely would have some conflict between them. And you see on the bottom left-hand side of the screen is a large rock that we yeah, put near we'll the gate. We'll come back to that. Um, but even in this case, uh, the uh, Border Collie jumps over that rock and kind of uh, rams itself into one of the other dogs. Now, any one of those altercations, if one or the other of the dog um, decides to, you know, get confrontational that could be uh, a trigger. serious uh, trigger yeah, yeah. Um, that would have to be addressed immediately and we'll talk a little bit about why those rocks are there in a little bit do you want to play yep. another video should another, should another video yeah you can see the rocks in a in a larger wider shot so again kelly's dogs uh, that's kelly on the left hand side there uh, she's basically brought them back under control this is how we would manage a dog and this is what you can do now funnily enough i had an email from uh uh, from somebody, oh, I'll, I'll find it here in a second, and I actually talk, mentioned who it was, where she was talking about controlling her dog with around people, jumping up on people, knocking people. This is exactly the same thing. So what Kelly's done is each of her dogs has been trained in obedience, and they've learned to basically pay attention to her. So she doesn't need a leash. She can kind of get them to, to listen. They'll follow her in a group or in a pack, if you want to call it that way. But Kelly is in charge. She's monitoring. She's managing each of the dogs. The rocks that we talked about, which you saw, which you can see in the background, that's a new addition that we put in. In fact, I put them in last week, I think it was. Um, and they are inhibitors. So what they do is they inhibit the dogs basically being able to run and just walk through. And you'll see, I don't think I've got a video of this, but I had Kelly actually walk through. Just so I roll over to the next video and see. Um, I had to kind of walk through the area where the rocks were. Uh, next one. And... Um, and you could actually see that the dogs had to slow down. Now, there's a great example of what would be inappropriate. So, that, so the shepherd in the middle had a toy. That's Nessie. Had a toy. And once she's got a toy and the other dogs try and grab the toy, she kind of, you can see, she puts a little pressure on them. It's like, hey, get out of my face. Even though they're border collies and they're kind of high drive dogs, Nessie lets them know real fast, like, this is my toy. You're not going to do that. And this is one of the things that you want to really watch out for if you have multiple dogs in your same environment is to be able to manage the interaction between them. So a, a, pro, a certain amount of play is appropriate, but it's when that play becomes kind of like, you know, with parents when they say, hey kids, the, uh, the game's getting too much now. One of you's gonna get hurt. Somebody's gonna end up crying. But it's that same type of thing. You wanna monitor it. You wanna see how much this play is appropriate. And then you wanna back it off if they get a little too keyed up with themselves. I wanna go back to this other video here. So this was uh, at a gate and you're going through the gate here. So talk a little bit about what uh, should be happening right. at a threshold. So thresholds or gates or, thre or doors or sliding doors or front doors, you want the same thing. So you'll notice that we've got all the other dogs on the other side. And as I came through the gate here, we kind of pushed them out of the way. You see how they're moving out of the space so that I can come through the gate. And the reason for doing that is to teach them to have respect for your space. Now, when you're working at home or working at the front door or something like that, you want to start off by putting their leashes on them by walking them up, sitting them at the door. And you know what? I'll actually run a front door exercise for you guys. And we'll do that for next week's program because it's a, it's actually a pretty cool exercise. And probably 90% of you listening to this thing will benefit from that. So when you get the dog and you bring it up to the door and that dog learns to stop and sit at that door, then it's a much more controlled situation, right? Um, 
by controlling the dog at that space, you're teaching them that area of the front door and about maybe six or eight or 10 feet around the door, that is your space and that they have to be more respectful towards you in that space. And then it's easier when you walk through a gate like this because the dogs will have learned to back out of that space. And, it, and it's obviously a, a very effective thing. Do you have the one with the needer, uh, the video with the needer that I um, sent you? I don't think I have that one actually. Um, but maybe you can talk through it real quick. All right. So the uh, yeah, put it off my phone with you. Yeah, there it is. That's the one. Yep. So one of the the cool things that we can do here at the school is we have our own dogs, and we'll often stage situations. And it's funny because I was listening to a podcast today with uh, another uh, trainer, and they were talking about whether or not instructors should demonstrate a technique or a situation to a class. Um, in this particular case, the person leading a podcast uh, was saying, you know, they think it's absolutely necessary for the instructor to show somebody this is what we're looking for. So in this particular, and then he actually brought up the fact that he can show people the wrong technique so that they learn like, okay, if you do this, then this is going to happen. Well, so this is an example of, of something we don't want you guys practicing. These are our own dogs. These actually dogs belong to one of our senior instructors and they're very, very high drive dogs. They're very keyed up, uh, little pity and the, uh, the boxer. Um, and she's okay with this because she can manage it. She can move them around and she can control them. She actually does agility, advanced agility, competes in agility with these two dogs. Um, and they've learned how to, to harness that energy. But you can see, like the jumping up on each other, that's not appropriate play. If that were a strange dog and that dog came up and jumped on them, they'd be a problem. So this is where this, where this whole thing of it's okay for dogs to play as long as the play is managed and under control. These dogs do rough house with each other. They do bump into each other. They jump on each other. They can get away with that. But it's probably not a good idea to do this with a strange dog or to have another dog run up and jump on you. Like or, or even in um, like allowing two dogs to do that with other dogs nearby because right, absolutely. they can all of a sudden trigger and, so, and join in and maybe they weren't properly socialized or don't know how to play appropriately and so forth. Or they could rile up another dog and then that dog redirects correct. onto their owner, maybe onto another dog that's nearby them. Um, so there's a whole bunch of things you have to take into consideration when you do have kind of borderline um, you know, out of control play maybe. Uh, now in those particular cases, those dogs were still in control and you could still revert back to obedience if they do cross that line, just like right. if kids are playing and they cross that line. Um, but you still need to be aware of what's around you and what's surrounding in terms of making sure that that doesn't escalate out of control either. Yeah, things escalate really fast. And the trick is to not let them reach that. You know, we talked about this in past uh, podcasts or in, in, uh, in live feeds like this, where we want to maintain control at a lower level. We don't want the steps to go higher and higher and higher because as your dog gets higher and higher, they become more out of control. And when the dog's more out of control, then it's, it's easier for them to get into incidents. So always manage that energy. And you generally, most people have got a pretty good feel for the amount of energy that's going on. So, so I want to talk about um, for uh, us at daycare, yeah. how do we specifically manage the energy of dogs? So we have daycare? at any one time, we might have 15 to 30 dogs in daycare, right? And we generally have a ratio of about eight to 10 dogs per person. But to be honest, that ratio will sometimes fluctuate. Like right now, we have a ratio of about four or five dogs to a person, and that allows us to spend more time teaching the trainer, teaching the, the handlers some of the newer things that we've introduced. So one of the things we've introduced is that we want that dog to be occupied each day. We want that guest to be to be running around playing, but running around playing appropriately. Mm -hmm. One of the things we've run into in the past, and we know this happens with a lot of other dog uh, uh, daycares, is that the dogs are just kind of like it's a free-for-all. They do whatever they want, and then when things happen, then everybody looks around and says, okay, what happened back there? Well, the problem is it was a problem 
two or three steps back. So when we're having large groups of dogs, we have to manage them. We have to maintain a better order. So think of a classroom. That's the best way to describe this. If I have a classroom and I have a bunch of kids in the classroom, I want them to learn when they come in from the playground, they all go to their seats, they sit down at their desks, and they behave appropriately. If a parent walks into a classroom or another teacher walks into the classroom, you don't see everybody jump up and rush over to the door or rush over to their friend's uh, uh, table or desk or whatever. They learn to maintain that control of sitting in their chairs. Well, we're doing the same thing with our dogs. So in a daycare situation, we want it to be like a school environment. We want the dogs to learn to have fun, to have play, that appropriate play, and then also learn a little obedience, a little respect, a little bit of discipline. Um, it's not a full-on training session, so they're not being trained in specific things, although we are talking about introducing some trick training just to give the dog something to do that's fun but at the same time is creative and it's managed yeah so the first thing you mentioned there is obviously group sizes um, and and uh, ratios between the trainers to the groups uh, this is a really big thing I think especially for people at home where maybe you don't take your dog to a daycare but maybe you take your dog to a dog park and while we don't personally recommend that if you are going to be doing it then you know try to have as much of a managed environment as possible don't let it just become a free-for-all where all the dogs can kind of do what they want um, and if your dog is maybe a dog that might get triggered and you still want to maybe get some socialization at least stay on the outside of the dog park um, so that way you can manage their uh, energy levels and build that in gradually rather than just letting them go right in and uh, kind of taking control of the situation. Second thing uh, LinkedIn mentioned is that you wanna really make sure that a dog has something to do, like we said, but not just purely um, physical, but also mentally simulating. So uh, like puzzles or tricks or obedience, things along those lines uh, wear a dog out mentally so that way you can still display some of their energy rather than just doing pure physical activities that actually could be building up their endurance um, and potentially making them for a more difficult situation down the line. Yep. And so while we're talking about this, let's talk about introducing a new dog. So you decide I want to add another dog to the household. You maybe got a couple of dogs already and you want to socialize that dog. You want to bring them into your environment and introduce them and so forth. So let's look at a couple of ways that you could do that. The one that I prefer the most is First of all, do it when you're fresh. So generally on a weekend, Saturday morning, when you're nice and fresh, nobody's like tired out from the day. The last thing you want to do is do it at like 8 o'clock in the evening when you got back from work and you're stressed and you need to get to bed. doesn't give you enough time and the daycare, sorry, the, the rescue or wherever it is that you're getting the dog from brings the dog home, brings the dog to your home. That's not the right way to do it. The right way to do it is a nice, calm environment. I also prefer to do the initial introduction in a neutral environment. Now, not everybody's able to do this, I get it, but if I can, I go to like a place like a park or maybe down the road or to a, to a place like ours or whatever. We sometimes will do that for people. Um, but a neutral environment makes your dog far less defensive of their space, far less defensive of their territory. Now, if you have a bunch of dogs at your home that are not territorial and not high drive, then it doesn't matter. You can bring the new dog in. Okay, so once we've got the, the two dogs, I prefer that we keep them both on leash. I know that there are rescues out there that basically just release both dogs or release the new dog into the home environment. And yeah, you can get away with that most of the time, but sure as anything, you will have some dogs that will be a problem. So I'm not a big fan of doing that. Remember that as trainers and as behavioral trainers, we're generally always seeing the problem children, right? It's kind of like a doctor. Nobody goes to a doctor that's healthy. You go there when something's wrong. So chances are you walk into a waiting room, there's a bunch of sick people in the waiting room. So going back to the dog thing, so when I introduce a new dog, I generally want to have a higher level of control. Now, I'm going to give you the negative part of that first so you understand it. The problem with putting a lot of control in, the, in a new, fresh environment is that if you are stressed out, or if your wife, or your husband, or the kids, 
or wherever is stressed out, then putting that control on will actually increase the stress. That's why some people feel that you're better off not putting control and just letting the dogs figure it out for themselves. The problem with doing that is that if they don't figure it out for themselves and they break into a fight, now you've got a problem on your hands and somebody's going to get hurt. Chances are you're going to get hurt more than the dogs, but we don't want that to happen. So going back to the safest route, if I have a situation where there's potential for reactive behavior, meaning dog versus dog, then I'm going to do it both our dogs on leash. I'm going to do it in a nice calm way. I might bring the, the, the new dog that's coming in, bring him around to heel position, uh, kind of reduce the stress. So going for a little walk with both dogs at heel where the dogs don't actually have to come nose to nose with each other, but they're kind of like just walking down the street together side by side. That's a very stress, it's a less stress uh, uh, environment. That's not the word. It's a, the stressor is lower, right? And so... Um, and then once you get a feel for how the dogs are behaving, then you can start introducing that. Kind of think of us as dating, right? I always use a dating analogy because we all understand dating and everyone laughs at me when I bring up dating. But it's kind of the same thing. When you get to meet somebody for the first time, you go on a blind date or if you use this, uh, this app, what's this app called? Tinder. Tinder. And you meet somebody on Tinder and you meet for the first time. You know, that's not the time for you to kind of like have this high pressure situation. You're going to a movie, having something nice and relaxing, you know, going to, to for coffee or something like that. So it's a low-stress environment, right? If you bring in a high-stress situation, that'll make it a lot more difficult, and then you'll run into problems with that. So going back to the dating thing, so with a with the introduction, I want to generally find like common ground with somebody. So I'll tell somebody, okay, you got to talk to each other, get to know each other. What do you like? What don't you like? You know, what are your fun things to do? Well, in, in effect, the dog is the same. You're going to go for a walk. Almost all dogs like a walk. You might play ball with one dog while the other dog watches, not both at the same time, and then rotate that around, keep the one dog under control, then play ball with the other one. Again, managing their stress levels. And then once they kind of become a little acclimated to each other, you can start freeing up on the leash and so forth, letting them sniff butt, letting them get to know each other, etc. That's yeah. the best way to introduce that. And so going through that kind of evaluation is what we do as sometimes people call it a temperament test. We do an assessment or an evaluation of that dog's ability to be in a high energy or um, you know, escalated arousal level environment. Uh, and I know that uh, Kevin asked earlier, did you say that we don't recommend dog parks? So uh, I want to go into that a little bit deeper on why we might not recommend yep. dog parks. So sometimes people will take a dog that they believe quote unquote needs socialization but in actuality the dog has behavioral issues that actually need to be corrected before they can be properly socialized uh, and so they feel that going to a dog park will allow them to work on their dog that is aggressive and reactive towards other dogs and people because they can get socialized that's probably well, not somebody's told them oh go to a dog park and let your dog socialize right. at the dog park yeah so because you don't have any level of assessment on whether or not that person is doing that or whether they are just honestly looking for some uh, activity for their dog, that's one reason why we don't recommend them because they don't have that type of standardized temperament test um, in, in place in order to allow a dog to go into a dog park. That's the first reason. The second reason uh, is vaccinations because a lot of people either don't vaccinate or don't keep up to date to vac on vaccinations of their dog. And so that per presents a, pres uh, a risk towards the other dogs that are in that environment. Uh, let's see here, uh, vaccinations, temperament, 
and then uh, training level of the people in that area. So obviously when you're going to a place that is offering daycare, at least they have some sort of training experience in working with dogs that are in large groups, which does take a lot of time to develop and, and really um, nail down. And so if you're going to a dog park, you're really just working with other dog owners and they might not have that type of ability and experience to recognize when a play is appropriate versus when it's crossing that line. And if it does cross that line, how to address it correct it and get it back down to a controlled level um, before it you know, potentially causes an injury. And so that's why we don't use it. I got one more for you. Okay. There's a lot of idiots at dog parks, simply said. I mean, I, I wish I could think of a politically correct way to say this, um, but the truth is that there are a lot of idiots out there that just absolutely think it's funny when their dog packs on another dog or tackles another dog or reacts to another dog. And, um, you know, it probably is going to be some dude that thinks he's got a tough guy dog. Those are the ones we worry about the most. And you just have no control over that. Right. Uh, a friend of mine posted a video a couple of days ago of this big dude that parks in a, a handicap zone and walks into the gym. And this guy was all like macho and argumentative and everything like that. And I was looking at that. And I seriously was thinking this is like being at a dog park, you know, where, the, where there's this big guy with his big tough guy dog. And, and he thinks he can tell everybody what to do. And, and the problem with that is you just can't control that. You know, yeah. what are you going to do? Call law enforcement i mean it's just it's crazy so you know from a safety point of view and i want to talk about vaccinations really fast as well this is something we should really be talking about every single week so for those of you who don't know there's a couple of rules about vaccinations the first rule is that unless a dog has been vaccinated for some time meaning at least a week to two weeks the vaccination has not yet taken place so if you adopt a dog from a rescue and then go get your dog vaccinated do not bring those do that dog around your other dogs until you've had that dog for at least a little while um, and i'll come back to that uh, the second thing about vaccinations is that if you don't know for sure a dog has been vaccinated, then have the dog tested. You can have tighter tests done or you can just revaccinate the dog. The disadvantage of revaccinating a dog is that you don't want to do too much vaccination because you can build the immune system into the dog against the vaccination, but it's still better off than having a dog that's not vaccinated. Uh, the tighter counting, if, you t if you're not sure what that is, talk to your vet about it. They, t they draw blood and they have the blood analyzed and they can tell the titers. They can me measure the amount of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, um, just drawing a blank here. Um, resistance right. that the dog has towards a particular uh, issue. So um, it's a bit more expensive to do that, but it's not a bad idea. And there are some kennels. We don't allow tighter counts too often. We will sometimes make exceptions. But there are some kennels now that allow you to tighter count your dog because after a certain number of years, your dog's vaccination is actually not that necessary anymore. So the reason why I'm so fanatical about vaccination is because there's two things that we're all terrified of, especially when you started talking about introducing a new dog into your environment. So you adopt this dog at a rescue, you adopt a dog from a shelter, or maybe you find the dog running in the street, you're down in Mexico and there's a dog running around there, or you're out in the res reservation and there's dogs running around there. If you bring a dog in from a source that you don't know, there's an extremely high possibility, possibility, not probability, but possibility the dog has been exposed to something. So the two we worry about the most are Parvo and Distemper. Um, Parvo more so, so with puppies, but could also be an adult. And Distemper is untreatable. So basically, if you introduce a dog with Distemper into your home, there's a very good chance that dog's going to be dead within a few days and it could infect your other dogs. So we really want you to caution. There's a lot of Distemper going around in Phoenix at the moment. I know of a number of people that have had issues with that. That's why we're so paranoid here at the school. We check dogs. We won't allow a dog to come in, even if it upsets a client. We have to, the office is, is trained in that. We actually have a, a secondary check. Even after our office staff has checked, Christopher 
has a secondary check to make sure that those documents are valid because we're paranoid about this whole vaccination thing. So if you are getting a dog from a rescue or from a place like that, make sure you check that out. And don't just believe what somebody tells you. If it's somebody you trust and you know the rescue well and you know the people well, that's fine. But if somebody says, oh, we think the dog was vaccinated, as far as you're concerned, that means nothing. Yeah. So be a little paranoid about that. And if they get mad at you, then just blame me. So uh, Kelly made a comment here. If there is any issue between her dogs, and she's talking about when we were um, showing the videos earlier. Kelly's um, our general manager. Yeah, Remember Kelly's we showed general you. Manager. Uh, she says that she has enough control and obedience where her voice control with a no can stop any issues that arise at the time. And just going back to some of those commands that we do implement in daycare and what you can definitely implement at home, obviously the first being their name because you want to know which dog you're addressing, especially if you're in an environment of 20, 30, 40, 50 plus dogs. Uh, you want to be able to address each of the dog by their name and that they respond directly to their name. Uh, the next is the word come, which is just a simple kind of recall command. Um, some people can use just heal. Heal is technically a different command, but some people use it um, subsequently. Uh, and then we have a term called barn um, because the doggy daycare is takes place in an old horse barn. Well, uh, so, the, so the daycare area is around and the horse barn is the middle. The way right. We renovated this whole barn. It's beautiful inside. Yep. But barn means everybody's got to go from the outside to the inside right which and it's a, it's yeah. a safety command so it means if something's gone wrong if there's a dog that's having a problem if uh, if clients are showing up we say barn 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 and all the dogs run for the inside of the building and it's actually a pretty cool thing that kelly brought in uh, when she introduced that yeah not just if there's an issue or anything like that we practice that multiple times a day because if you don't practice the things that you need to utilize when it matters most then they won't get done when they do matter most um so barn is essentially our kind of group um, come command essentially right uh, and then the term out which is more of a term used in like resource guarding type behaviors where a dog might be resource guarding you use the term out to basically draw them away from that resource that they are guarding but it's a good term in daycare as well if you want a dog to leave whatever situation that they're involved in at that time right. and then another term that we use is go through which we combine with their name in order to practice threshold training so essentially we have one uh, the daycares split up into a bunch of different like smaller runs and the reason why we do that is so that way the dogs have more intimate um, time together so there may be only four or five dogs in a specific run while we might have 20 dogs in the you know, nearby area um, that allows us to a monitor the dogs of that group's behavior better we can split those groups up by temperament so that the yep. more the stress levels down yeah. dogs have more fun they enjoy playing more and that's something that's actually really important because we had a client ask us about when we when we made the group sizes smaller um, and I actually was talking with her uh, about this in that by making the group smaller we reduce the stress between the dogs and that actually allows the dogs to become less inhibited and so they'll play more and they'll run around more and they won't be as reactive once another dog gets lit up because remember that when dogs do become like when you get like the bully type dogs that are, are I don't mean bully breed I mean like that are trying to bully the other dogs uh, maybe it's a dog with insecurities and he's being a little bit too pushy and so forth that stresses the other dogs out and then they don't play as much whereas when all the dogs are relaxed and it's a small group and the trainers are on top of it they're having a much happier time and it's i mean we can show you that in videos it's absolutely easy to document yeah yeah so the smaller groups a allows for for obviously better um, experience for the dogs and like i said we can split them up by temperament so the more rambunctious dogs can be with each other and they can play a lot more versus the dogs that maybe just want to relax and chill out can also um, we can accommodate them because just like 
you mentioned earlier, if you're in a classroom setting, you've got one teacher with 30 students and all of those students are at different learning levels and different and need different things in order to engage them. That's the same thing in a daycare. If you've got 20 different dogs or 30 or whatever number of different dogs, you need to be able to engage each one differently and give each one what they need in order to have a positive experience um, in that environment. And so the smaller groups allow us to do that also, what it allows us to happen is if in the unfortunate situation where there is an altercation, it allows us to separate dogs a lot easier mm -hmm. and grew, and um, you know convulge onto whatever situation is going down without uh, as many dogs potentially triggering and adding into that conflict. Uh, so those are the uh, things that we do with the groups. But like I said, the term go through combined with their name, we actually practice to move them between the different runs. So we might have all the runs are kind of connected between gates. Um, so we can actually have a group of 10 dogs at one gate and we can you know, call each one by name and they go through one, one run into the next. Um, very simple. I wish we would have caught that on video. I, but I actually have a video of that. Uh, it's the one with Jennifer that I shot right at the oh, end. Okay. Yeah, so my, you might be able to find able to it. We just, we just ran out of time pulling all these videos, but we'll get better at this. And I want to just mention Anita uh, posted here. Anita's one of the instructors. Remember, it was her dogs, her, her, her uh, little pit bull and uh, boxer running around. And she posted antibodies. That's the word I was trying to think of earlier on. So thanks for that, Anita. Definitely. And then I also want to give a special mention to those of you who shared our feed tonight, which we really greatly appreciate. Um, and that was Shauna who always shares our feed. So thank you, Shauna. And then Tanya Holiday. And I haven't seen Tanya for years. Tanya is actually one of our, I was going to say older clients, but I mean clients from a long ways back. And it's really great seeing you uh, show back up. It's really awesome actually getting the feedback from you guys. Uh, I think last week we had something like 300 people tune into our podcast and we really appreciate you guys attention and and uh, that was live just live we had a couple thousand oh times, so. yeah i meant actually live yeah you're right the podcasting is is bigger afterwards so cool. that's all i got yeah that's all uh that's all we really wanted to talk about in terms of daycare and dog group socialization we'll see you guys next Wait, I got, week i got one more oh, thing so oh, this weekend okay. if you're in arizona and phoenix christopher and i always talk about our shooting so the circuit is coming to arizona this weekend they have all the big boys flying in from out of town and uh, they actually a bunch of them flew in today and tomorrow and on friday saturday and sunday we're going to be competing down at the rio salado club which is down in mesa if you want to know where that is then just shoot me a message and i'll dm you uh, from facebook because most of you guys are friends with me on facebook uh, but this is the weekend and come watch everybody shoot christopher and i will be competing on friday afternoon and saturday morning uh, so if you want to come watch some amazing uh, shooters not us the guys that are better than us uh, Christian Sale, the current national champion, is going to be there. He's uh, flying in and uh, he's about like 19 and unbelievably fast. Um, but uh, this is your chance to come in and look around and see some amazing competition. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you guys so much. Uh, just to keep in mind, we're still on 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Uh, so the, with daylight saving time, it yeah, kind of changed a little bit. See, we're um, we're the intelligent state. We, we don't change at all. We just yeah. like stick to the right thing everybody else has got to adjust it but we don't <laughs> so it's 8 p.m eastern time 6 p.m mountain standard time uh, and we'll see you guys next week at 6 p.m mountain standard time on so you, Wednesday. you know that that's not right yeah what it you is just right said. 6 p.m mountain standard and it's 8 p.m eastern eastern it's 8 p.m eastern right but mountain standard time just changed we're on arizona time it's not the same as mountain standard time okay mountain see standard how confusing this arizona. is <laughs> it's, it's not Okay. Anyway, Mountain State, we're in Arizona, Arizona, 8 p.m. Eastern time if you Great. want to check it against that. All Thanks right. so much, guys, and we'll see you next week. Bye.